drama written by Jill Korn. It is suitable for all ages. Hello, hello. I think Barb's going just a wee bit deaf. Un peu sourde. She certainly can't count. I think she does it on purpose to make me swim more lengths and she thinks I don't notice. But I swim faster than her. I'm pretty sure I overtook her a couple of times anyway. Crawl is always faster than breaststroke. That's definitely 19 now. Nearly there, Barb. One more and I'm out. Sauna? Not today. I want my coffee and my scone. Is it possible to look disapproving in a rubber swim cap with pink petals on it? Barb manages it anyway. Why does she wear that thing? Her hair looks far worse than mine when she takes it off. Quick rub with a towel and mine's dry. And here we go. That was good. See you in the carré, Barbe. No need to rush. She takes ages to get ready, too. It's all that messing with her hair. I'll get an extra scone in before she's done. Twenty lengths definitely deserves two scones, and that nice waitress never gives me away. I can just hear Barb, though. Do you realise, Francine, how many calories you're eating? Oh, who cares? Je m'en fous. If I am a two-scone woman with a figure too much, it's all the fault of the Scots and their famous home baking. Thank you, Daniela. Oh, is that homemade jam? Yes, many brambles this year and so few people picking them. Yes, my friend will be here, but not yet. I'll just pay for this scone now. And mum's the word. Daniela, such a pretty girl. She's from Ukraine, I believe, and her English is improving every time I see her. I wonder if she will stay. Well, why not? I did. And now most people don't even notice my accent. I've been here for so long that they think I'm English, from some remote part of the northeast, perhaps. A Georgie? No, a Geordie. Most of the islanders know me by now, of course. And to them, I'm just another incomer. I belong, but only on a certain level of belonging. I can't boast that my great-great-grandparents worked the land here. Only that I fell for a handsome young islander when we were both lost and lonely in Glasgow. 
and that marrying him seemed like a good idea at the time. But don't you go thinking I regret a minute of it. Such a beautiful place to be, and you get used to the rain. Well, maybe not entirely. The last time my sister came to visit, I think it rained for 13 of the 14 days that she was here. She said, Francine, I don't know how you can stand it here. Why don't you just come home? Everything is ripening in the garden just now, and all you have are a few green tomato plants in a glasshouse, and they aren't going to turn red any time soon. I'm translating for you, of course, and leaving out the swear words, which somehow sound so much worse when I say them in Scots. I can't even remember what I said to her, to my sister. Probably muttered something about making green tomato chutney when the autumn comes and the comfort of a log fire when the storms are raging outside. She wasn't convinced anyway. Daniela, I finished with the plate now. Yes, can you take this? Thank you. Barb, over here. I was just about to order the scones. No, you look fine. Who's going to see you anyway? Ah, Daniela. Yes, just the two scones, please. And a tea for you, Barb? A tea and a black coffee. Yes, that's everything. Thank you. Johnny, if you lie right in front of the fire like that, you'll catch a light. Don't say I didn't warn you. Your title of stupidest cat on the Isle of Donan remains unchallenged. Well, it seems the new distillery is doing well for visitors. We're continuing a tradition. For hundreds of years to increase their income, small Donnan communities made their own spirit in illicit homemade stills. We're thrilled to be reviving Donnan's heritage, although we're doing it legally of course. While we have to be patient a wee while yet before the first single malt can be bottled, we can offer our eager customers our wonderful aromatic heather blossom gin, which combines the freshness of the island air with the subtle and appealing accents of heather, pine and gorse. Well, that sounds promising, Johnny. I think we need to sample its appealing accents. Quite apart from anything else, I'm sure heather blossom must be good for my digestion. Good morning, Joe. I love the new showroom. It looks so classy. No, I don't need the distillery tour today. I'll come when I have a bit more time. How are you? And the children? Getting big. If I was still teaching, I'd be looking out for your eldest coming through about now, yes? <laughs> no, French wasn't your best subject. But who knows? Your children could turn out to be especially gifted in the most beautiful language in the world. Yes. Next to Scots, of course. So, Joe, I was wondering if you have the new gin available. The heather blossom, yes. Any discounts for senior citizens? Sort of encouraging us to take our five a day? No? But a sample? Yes, that would be good. Why don't you join me? I see. 
on duty, of course. I could drink yours. Oh, thank you. You always were a sweet boy, despite your lack of French. À la tienne. Mm. Oof. It is unusual. Very flowery, yes. Delicieux. I better just take the one bottle, I think. For now, anyway. It is a pretty bottle. I'm sure I can make a table lamp out of that. When it's empty, of course. It's going to last me a while. Naturally. When I met Cal, it was the coup de foudre. The lightning strike. The love at first sight. Or maybe just the raging hormones of two 19-year-olds away from home for the first time in the big scary city of Glasgow. Who knows? Such a handsome boy he was. Very tall and skinny with that hair that he hated me to call red. Much better in French. We call it roux, which is more like rust than red. I fattened you up though, didn't I, Cal? You could never resist my French cooking. Where are you now, I wonder? I know you're not really here, chérie, even though I come to chat. <laughs> this is a beautiful spot, and I know why you chose to be up here, with the mountain always looking on. And the leaves are turning to those reds and golds like your hair used to be. <laughs> but I'm not as hardy as you, and I can feel such a bite in this wind. Still, I brought bulbs to plant for the spring. Tiny narcissi. I'll put them in clumps all around you. You love them, don't you? I'm sorry it's taken me three years to do it. Same old disorganized Fran. How am I doing? Well, you know me. I get on with things. I was at the new distillery today. They have some very old whiskies. I saw a 32-year-old on the shelf for 1,300 pounds. I said to myself, I would pay that and more if Cal were here to drink it. But I can't lure you back, even with an old bottle of whiskey, can I, my love? Barb keeps an eye on me. We're walking to the Muckle Cave tomorrow. Me, Barb and Victor. She spoils that dog completely. I bring the coffee and cakes. Barb brings a picnic for Victor. Then every poo that he produces is carefully examined, bagged and carried home. Oh, c'est dégueulasse. She says terriers are intelligent dogs, but I think Victor is the exception. He's so dim he doesn't even come back when she calls him. He has a special gold collar with a sat-nav in it so she can find him when he runs away. Thank God I'm a cat woman. Johnny Halliday is quite enough for me. There. That's done, my darling. Time to go. Stay cool, my Cal, wherever you are. Je t'aime, tu sais. I love you. In 1941... The SS politician ran aground off the coast of the island of Eriski. She was bound for the States and her captain was trying to rendezvous with a convoy at the time. 
The politician's vast cargo included 22,000 cases of malt whisky, some say 28,000, and three million pounds worth of Jamaican banknotes. A great deal of both the whisky and the banknotes disappeared from the wreck, but despite the best efforts of the authorities to pursue and prosecute those who had found them, over the years they would keep turning up. It so happened that a writer called Compton Mackenzie was living on the nearby island of Barra. Mackenzie was inspired to write a novel based on the wreck of the politician, and he finished it in a few short weeks. It sold almost as well as the salvage spirit had done, and it made his name. I remember when I first came here, Cal telling me that if I wanted to understand island life, I should watch Whiskey Galore, the film that was made from Mackenzie's book in 1949. I loved the film. I must have watched it a dozen times. But I still don't understand island life. <laughs> C'est la vie. Well, maybe I should take to writing. I wonder if the world's ready for a French woman's take on life in the Scottish islands. I haven't actually opened it yet. Does it taste of heather blossom? I'm not sure what heather blossom tastes like. I never ate it. You can buy the honey though. No, the sambal did taste more like gin than honey. Bob, where are you going? Victor! Ah, oh, the only dog I know that chases seaweed. Cal would say he has minceful brains. Call him back, Barber. No, he won't come, of course. He'll stop at the water, won't he? No, he won't. Bob, you can't go in. It's freezing. Nom de Dieu, quel bagaille. Will you come out, Barbara? You're up to your ankles. Look, he's swimming back. He's caught his seaweed and he's bringing it. Not to me, Victor. I don't want it. Oh, merde, you stupid animal. Barb, you're soaked, and I'm not much better. No, I don't have a towel for Victor. I didn't bring a towel because I wasn't intending to go wild swimming. Look, I've got a flask of coffee here. It's not far to the cave and we can try and dry off or at least get warm. Oh, now what's he doing? Oh, merde encore! Rather you than me to pick that up, Barb. I'll see you in the cave. Roger Hutchinson's book, Polly, sets out the facts about the grounding of the SS politician which has passed into island mythology, helped along by whiskey galore, of course. During the war, so many ships were being sunk or damaged in the Atlantic that the politicians' insurers hesitated before appointing the Liverpool and Glasgow Salvage Association to inspect and then salvage the cargo. The insurers wanted to be certain that the cargo was worth the cost of the rescue. Once appointed, the Liverpool and Glasgow Salvage Association set about their task conscientiously taking off 10 crates of boots and shoes, 7 crates of enamelware, 1 keg of carbonate of magnesium and 2 bags of clover seed. They also salvaged 32 bundles of toilet soap, 8 drums of disinfectant, a bundle of plumbing pipes, 2 trusses of carpeting and 3 damaged baths, as well as an undisclosed number of glazed tiles and some machetes. 
they left on board the 22 or maybe 28 thousand cases of malt whisky and the three million pounds in banknotes. According to Roger Hutchinson, the ship and her remaining cargo were quickly christened Polly by the local people, so that as boats of every size and description converged on the wreck from all directions, many, many bottles of Polly were sampled and loaded and whisked away to who knew where. I think you would have been proud of me, Cal. I definitely kept my head while Bab was losing hers. And it's a good thing I had my big rucksack with me. The one you gave me, remember? I had the coffee flask in it, of course. And once we were in the cave, I managed to dry off Bab's feet with my jumper and give her my spare socks to change into. I was just pouring out the coffee when she shrieked, Victor! Oh, mais alors, not again, I thought. This time, the wretched animal is trying to burrow his way into a hole, low down in the cave wall. He's already halfway in, just his back end showing. So, I go after him. I go down on all fours, and I grab his back legs. And Bab shouting, Don't pull him, you'll hurt him. Nom de Dieu. He's scrabbling to get in, and I'm pulling to get him out. Can you imagine? Yes, you probably can. I can hear you laughing. You're saying, only you, Fran. It could only happen to you. But wait, there's more. I pull out the dog, the imbécile, and I almost throw him at Barb, and I'm about to get up when she says, Oh, Victor, you naughty boy. You've lost your collar now. So I reach back into the hole for the collar, and I realize that it leads down into a tiny... I don't know, like a tiny cellar in the rock. I can't see into it, but I can feel the collar with the satnav on it. And it's hooked around something smooth and shaped like... Yes, really, shaped like a bottle. So I bring out the collar and the bottle together and Barb says, Oh, you found it. Those collars cost a fortune, you know. But I'm not listening. I'm reaching into the hole again and feeling for more bottles. It's a good thing you bought me that big rucksack, Cal. Cause guess how many I found. Hello? Hello, Joe? Thank goodness, I was hoping it was you. Yes, I need your advice. I found some very old bottles hidden in the Muckle Cave. I know, it's incredible, but I think they might be... Yes, yes, I know, they're filthy. I brushed off some of the dirt, but it looks as though they are corked and perhaps sealed with something. Yes, it might be wax. It's all black. There's writing around the top of them. Yes, it says, Federal law forbids sale or reuse of this bottle. How I got them? That's a long story, but I think I got them all. Six, Joe. There are six of them. Heavy to carry. Yes, I brought them all back. They're here on my kitchen table. You think the police? I thought that too. Shall I call Sergeant Gordon or will you? Oh, they're quite safe here. 
What can possibly happen to them in my kitchen? Are you warm enough, Barb? Oh, don't mind Johnny. He manages to toast himself there without getting burnt. I think autumn's his favourite time. He knows he has a full six months of warm snoozing ahead. In the winter, he only goes out for the very necessary, and then he flies back through the cat door as though the hounds of hell were after him. Ah, this is cosy, isn't it? Put another log on if you want, while I fetch the glasses and the bottle. Oh, don't worry about Sergeant Gordon. I think he was just thrilled to get his hands on the stuff. What a coup for an island policeman to hand in half a case of the famous Polly Malt. He'll be sprucing himself up for the photos right now. He can't wait to be on the front page of the Donnan Standard. He always was a vain boy, as I remember. Strutting about in a uniform suits him. What? Are you getting cold feet, Barb? We handed in most of it, didn't we? 90%. We might get rich and we might get nothing, but at least this way we get a wee dram out of it. Well, a big one, maybe. There. Cal's best whiskey glasses. Well, this is an occasion, isn't it? Oh, I forgot the water. Can you get it? I tell you, that wax stuff took some getting off. Lucky I kept his old toolbox. My super corkscrew will get this out. I know. Who puts corks in whiskey? And this is a tough one. No cork bottle ever beat a French woman yet. Oh, this is tough. Don't want to break it. That's a huge jug full of water, Bob. Couldn't you find a small one? Oh, never mind. This is when we could do with a man, Barb. Cal would make short work of this cork. And you'd love it, wouldn't you, Cal? An 80-year-old malt? <laughs> what would you say to that? Holidays away, and very wise too. I just hope he doesn't get arrested for smelling of drink. I'm joking, Bab. So now what? How do you fancy a nip of heather blossom? It's gin. No, I didn't find it. I told you I bought it. Here, drink that and shut up. Slange, my dear. A la tienne. Audio drama written by Jill Korn. Galore was performed by Jill Korn with sound design by John Boyd at By the Way. 
The play was directed by Ian McAleese and was recorded at McCalla Studios, Glasgow by David R. Simpson. Let's go!